0: The rat re- that's one through eighteen. The rest of the book of John is Jesus confirming what John said. And the way that he does that, if you look at John, there are seven miracles. And the miracles uh, are really actually signs. A- and the signs are pointing to everything that John said in John 1 through 18, Jesus is saying about himself that he is God, that he is uh, the light of the world, that he is the bread of life, that he is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus goes on to say that no one comes to the Father but but through me because I am the only one who has seen the Father, and what I have seen I have come into the world to share with you this morning through the foolishness of preaching. And so we're looking at the sixth miracle. Miracle. And so Jesus has healed this blind man. And and now he uh, comes to him again after the blind man gave testimony and was kicked out of the synagogue. So read with me. God's word. Jesus had heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world. That those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and they said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, not only in the person of Christ, but in black and white words, that we can see the things he actually did and accomplished. That, Lord Jesus, you're the true and living God. You're the second person of the Trinity. You're the one who submitted to the Father on our behalf and came into a world that, if we're all honest, is very dark. And if we're honest with ourselves, uh, as we look uh, into our own hearts, that there is this incredible darkness that we have, that we uh, feel uneasy uh, about our outward works, because down deep we are filled, really, with hypocrisy. And so, Lord, we thank you for this text. Father, I pray that those who think they see would become blind this morning, um, blind to, the, to, to, to the, the darkness of their own heart, and that they might see that it's not uh, through their performance, but Christ's performance, his work, uh, that he comes to those who are willing to admit they're blind and hopeless. And so, Lord, we would see Jesus the same way this man did so that we might worship. And know the freedom that Michael talked about. Uh, For it is for freedom that you have set us free. And we ask it in your name and for your sake. Amen. Mary Beth and I have enjoyed watching a uh, Netflix series uh, called Blue Bloods. I don't know if you've watched Blue Bloods, but it is about the Reagan family. And the Reagan family is a family that is uh, committed, there are six or seven or eight in the family, but they're all committed uh, to law enforcement in New York City. But over the several seasons that we've been watching, there has been this uh, recurring theme in the show about the importance of a credible witness to prosecute the criminal. Uh, And there are several factors that keep people from not only being a credible witness, but if credible, if credible, are they willing to testify? Uh, First, is the the witness credible? Uh, Does the witness have a police record? Do they have the character to testify? Can you trust that their word is true and what they're saying is actually what they saw? Are they objective? Or do they have a vendetta against the person who is the defendant? And if they are willing to testify, are they certain, absolutely certain, that what they saw was what they actually saw? Was it done in the middle of the day? Are you certain that this person did what? You say you saw they did. Or was it kind of in the dark and you're not sure if you saw? Can you point out this person in a lineup? Now, since we've been watching uh, over these several seasons, uh, the greatest hindrance for the prosecutor over and over again is the unwillingness for the witness, whether they are credible or not credible, to actually testify. It's just a thing that's over and over again. And over again. Now the main reason, as we've been looking at the show, that they're unwilling to testify is because they don't want to be, get involved in the case. They're concerned maybe about their own safety and rightly about the safety of their family. Basically what they don't want is inconvenience in their life they don't want to throw their life upside down so rather than testifying against a person who's actually the criminal they don't and the end result is that the criminal is let go free and so darkness and crime increases because of their unwillingness to testify you understand Now, obviously, the reason I use that as an example is because what we have in our text this morning is a man throughout this passage that we began last week, a man who was a faithful witness to what Christ had done for him. And he testified. But he's only testifying to what Jesus himself is testifying to us this morning, and that is through his miracles, they're pointing to one aspect of who he is. So when he feeds the 5,000, he wasn't starting a welfare program. Because you see, after he fed the 5,000, then the crowds come all the way around uh, the sea of uh, Galilee or, or, or the Dead Sea, I'm not sure which one it is, but the Capernaum. But they come to the other side and they find Jesus again. And Jesus knows their hearts. He knows the reason they're coming is so he will continue to feed them. And so everything is looking at this level. And they don't understand that the purpose of the miracle was Jesus then says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. You look for manna that Moses gave. But I am from the Father. And in me is life. In me is true life. And so now we have this blind man uh, who is healed. And throughout the, testimony, th- throughout the passage, he is testifying to what Jesus Christ has done for him. But ultimately, Jesus is testifying to through his miracles, to us this morning, who he is, and that is this. He is the light of the world. And the point, as we will see, when this man worships, is not his physical blindness, but his spiritual blindness. Because he had to see Jesus. And the reality is, that the Bible teaches that we are born blind. And you're blind this morning if you don't see Jesus. And so this man testified. And so when the Pharisees who opposed him questioned this man, and I'm going to tell you this, if you don't see the light, if, you don't, if, if he is not the light to you, and we're not testifying to that light, then can I even actually suggest that then you're opposing him? You're actually thinking you're in the light, just like the Pharisees. We're nice, good people. We're fine people. But in reality, you're just like Michael Hall was before he saw Jesus. And you think you see, but you're in darkness. But when they come to the, the Pharisees who said they see, when they confront him about this miracle, and they cannot deny the miracle... They say, give God glory, for this man is a sinner. And the man's response is this. And here's the response. He says, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you that is what a Christian is. It's not somebody who does good or tries hard. It's not somebody who tries to live a consistent Christian life. And, and it's not someone who is trying to raise their family as Christians. They have a Christian marriage. And so many of you as Christians, you're trying to get your marriage straightened out. You know, stop that. And start looking to Jesus. Because the essence of what it means to be a Christian is to testify to what Jesus Christ has done for you. The best things for you husbands to do for your wives is to testify to the light of of the gospel, that He is your light and life, and the same as wise are children. Now, here's the sixty-four thousand dollar questions this morning as we look at this text and the moments that we have. Are you a witness? Do you see? Do you testify to what you see? Not can you explain to unbelievers everything that it means. But are you a living, walking witness to the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done for you? Now, I've said this before, but in Acts chapter 1, and, and again, the, holy, the, 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 the apostles, they, they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, but they're still not even getting that. They need the Holy Spirit. But when Jesus says this, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he doesn't say, you will be my evangelist. He says, you will be my witnesses. Witnesses to what? Well, they saw the ascension. They see Jesus. And so what is a Christian? A Christian is not somebody that knows all the answers, that can go through the Romans road or share their faith and understand. And when somebody asks you a question, you go, well, I know the answer to that. You're a witness. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of ministers who go to seminary, and they know all kind of theology. They know all kind of doctrine, but go ask them if they share their faith, and you'll find out how many don't. And so you can have a person sitting here, a kid who's 15 years old, who's come to see Jesus and understands who Jesus is, will be a more faithful witness than the minister who's going to teach and teach and teach and try to teach you into the kingdom. You can't be taught into the kingdom. You need the grace of God to open your eyes the same way He did a 15 year old. And you can't, you see, you, you can't be neutral, as we'll see, to this, this point. You cannot be neutral to the light. Michael, once you saw, you, go, you can't go back. Put it on the negative side. Some of you who are, maybe you're not Christians, maybe you are, but you saw a horrible, horrific event. And you can't get it out of your mind, it's always there. I remember the day my brother committed suicide. I remember it. It was 1985. That has always colored my life. But you know what? You don't do away with that day. You don't do away with what? So in the same way, when you see Jesus and he comes into your life and he is the light and life of your life, you testify. Now I'm going to tell you, I believe that's what this text is about. Let me say one other thing. You know, uh, on my honeymoon, I read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Anybody ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? It's probably not what you want to take on your honeymoon. <laughs> but, but one of the reasons I did, the one reason I did, my wife loves Jesus. My wife was an agnostic. Mary Beth was an agnostic, and she met Jesus. And so I wanted to date her, and she wanted to date me and marry me because we saw Jesus. But So here we are on a honeymoon, and we love Jesus, and we want to serve Christ. Never thought about being a preacher. That was way before that. But, you know, see, I'm reading this book because I want to appreciate those who are witnesses throughout the ages so that I can enjoy my honeymoon in Jesus Christ. And if you're 13 or 14 years old, let me tell you what hit me the most on my honeymoon as I was reading is these 13 and 14-year-old children who were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And then when the Romans found out about it, they would flail them alive and skin them alive and then roast them over a pit. And they wouldn't deny their faith. Now, how about you, 14-year-old, 15-year-old? or you college students, or maybe you people who are my age who are ever hearing but never coming to a knowledge of the truth, the essence of what it means to be a witness is when those martyrs were set on fire, it was their life. It wasn't just the fact that they could explain the Trinity. You understand that? So, now, by the way, listen, I, we can all be witnesses, <laughs> okay? Okay? It's, it's not like, it's just, Jesus doesn't say, be light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. So, here's just a couple of things to say before we come to the text. And, uh, and I want you to think about these things, okay? Witness begins with grace. That's the first thing we're going to see. It begins with grace. You can't be a witness if God doesn't show grace in your life. He'll let, he will let you be what you are and want to be. Just like Michael said, I, didn't want, I was not interested. I didn't want to believe. You know why? Because he might be like you that are living in darkness. You, you like the dark. But then witness is impossible without seeing Jesus. You can't do that. And then finally, witness is impossible for those who are blind. So witness begins with grace. Don't y'all see that in this text? Don't you see? Well, if you weren't here last week, it begins in, in, the, in verse 1. And here's this poor man. He's born blind. He's a miserable guy. His life is lived in darkness, and, and, uh, and he was scorned by his neighbors and everyone, and the way you know that is here his disciples are, and within the hear, hearing of this poor man, and said, well, wow, whose sin is it? This guy's blind. Kind of like we do sometimes. We always we want to philosophize about tragedy and why this happened. Why did that happen? Until it happens to you. But here he is born blind, and they say, whose sin is it? This man or is it his parents? And you know what Jesus says, ladies and gentlemen? He says, neither. Now, now he's not saying that we don't feel the effects of sin, because there's this general sense that sin affects us all. But he's saying, in this particular instance, the reason that he was born blind was so... That God might get glory in him. How? By Jesus healing his eyesight so that he could see. Now then what's interesting, right after that, he says, I am the light of the world. And the point of this text and the reason John puts it there. It's to say this, you're born blind because you're born dead in sin. Now, let me tell you one way that you don't know you're blind. It's when you say things like, well, I'm hoping to go to heaven. I'm I'm trying to be the best person I know how to be. Here's the teachings of Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. Okay. You ever tried that? I mean, you can't. Keep the Ten Commandments, and now you got to be like Jesus. Because you can't be like Jesus. Or you say this. Well, I, you know, I don't go to church. I don't need to go to church because I'm a spiritual person. You ever heard that? I'm, 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 I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a Christian, but I'm a spiritual person. Well, of course you're a spiritual person in the sense that you're created in the image of God. But to say that you're a spiritual person means that you've been enlightened in some somewhat, and the whole philosophies of the East are enlightenment versus Jesus saying, I am the light, but you don't see it because you think you see. Or you're a smart person. Or, or, or maybe you're a scientist and you have no idea. We have some wonderful scientists in this congregation. I'm going to get one to share his faith here in a couple of weeks. But you know what? Scientists are working off this closed system. They're denying anything out there because it doesn't work. You can't measure it. But you see, this is a sign that you're dead in your sin. Now, let me tell you something. If you are dead in your sin today, you think you see. But the question ends up being, what is the grace in your life? So you're the person who's seen Christ. And he is gracious. Are you gracious? Uh, You've seen that he is loving and forgiving, and he's always forgiven. Michael said that after he's been a Christian for all these years. He, like me, and I've been a Christian for 44 years. Every day I wake up and I need the grace of Jesus Christ to love me after yesterday. And so if you walk in here all the time, and you're never even thinking that you need to hear the gospel, that person needs to hear the gospel, then I'm going to tell you, you're blind. So how are you going to get unblind? Well, do you notice that this man, when Jesus passes by, there's another blind man, blind Bartimaeus. He says, Son of David, have mercy upon me. This man says nothing. And Jesus stops to respond to them providentially because he is going to heal that blind man. And that blind man was blind and miserable. Nobody loved him. Nobody cared about him. He is an outcast, okay? But Jesus stops and heals that man. And that's how you always begin to see, is because of God's grace. Time does not permit me to show you all the verses where Jesus says that himself. But I'm just going to read one in John 6 when he talked about being the bread of life. Let me ask you is he the bread of life for you? Or do you want to feed on all these other things? Georgia football starts next week, and I can't wait to be honest with you, personally but I don't want to feed on that because they might lose to Austin P, right? <laughs> nah. But some of you, that's your life, and, and, uh, and if Georgia loses and they don't win the national championship, you're going to hate Kirby Smart. Why? Because that's what you feed on, and he's not giving you the sustenance. I could go on and on and on about this. But you see... Jesus in John 6 says that he is the bread of life. But notice he says this. uh, The Pharisees were like, they started grumbling. They said, who is this man that talks about eating and drinking flesh? Right? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Even the disciples said, this is a hard saying. And so Jesus responds to to, to the Pharisees. And they they started grumbling. uh, And Jesus says, stop grumbling among yourselves. And notice what he says in verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. For it is written in the prophets that they will all be taught by God, and everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me, and no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God, and only he has seen the Father. Can I tell you why maybe you're not a Christian right now and you don't testify to it? I'll tell you why. It's because you don't even realize you're blind. It's all confusing. What what does all this mean, you see? But Jesus is not, you'll never understand repentance until you realize God is not obligated to reveal himself to people who don't want to know him in the first place. You understand that? But you see, anybody here, maybe the work of grace is beginning, and maybe some light is dawning into you, and you're like, Lord, is it me? Am I the one that's dead? Then I would say to you, that is a sign that you're beginning to see. And we're going to see that process with this man. And then in John chapter 3, Jesus says this. The question would be, well, if he's the light of the world and he's preaching the truth and people are not responding to that and he comes to his own in his own receiving mind, he comes to a Redeemer Presbyterian church, but they don't receive him. Or he comes to all these churches in America and the gospel is preached, but people aren't responding and seeing and being the light of the gospel. The question is, why? Why is it? And, and I'm telling you right now, there's some of you who maybe you're, maybe the light has been more exposed than it ever has, and you, you're having one or two thoughts right now. You don't want to hear any more of this, or you're going, "Wow, you mean you mean I? I could be saved? I've been living in darkness. I'm I'm a pornographer. Uh, I am a, I'm a cheat. I'm a liar. I've been cheating on my schoolwork. I'm getting ready to graduate from the University of Georgia, and I've been cheating the whole time. And you mean I can know? Ah." Uh, Maybe life is coming. But for others, you're going, man, you know what? I had my plans. I, I got dragged in here. And so Jesus says this. This is the verdict that light is coming to the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their misdeeds were evil. You see that? The reason people remain in darkness is that's what they know. They don't know the light. They're living in darkness, and that's the way we operate. And you say, well, I'm not a bad person. Well, that's a sign you're dark because you are a bad person. Because if you were not a bad person, then the light of the world, the Son of God, would not have to come into this world and be crucified on our behalf so that we might have life if you're a good person and a decent person. No, you're not. And I'm not. And this is the good news. This is not The good news is that, yes, you're dark, but I have come in to open your eyes. So it begins with grace, but witness is impossible. Second thing, and I just have a couple more things to say, but it's impossible without seeing. You got it? You understand, like a real witness? If, you're not, if you didn't see, you're not a witness. They're not going to call you to the stand and say, testify to what you saw. But you see, if you saw it, then you're a key witness, and what you say matters. But the only thing that matters, they don't care how good you look doesn't I mean, them if you comb your hair or uh, whether you put perfume on or whether you speak with a wonderful accent, like a southern accent like I have. <laughs> I have had people say, hey, just stick around for about two or three weeks. You'll get used to his accent. But, uh, but no, they don't they don't care. All they all they want to know is, did you see what happened on that street corner that night on August the 25th? That's all they care about. But notice, in verse 35 it says, Jesus had heard they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he? Sir, that I may believe in him. Yes, I'm submitting to the authority of Jesus. Whatever you say, who is he? And then Jesus says, This amazing thing, which is the point of the... The man seeing, he says, Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you, and he said, Lord, I believe. What's that tax he does? What's this tax he does? He worshiped. Okay, now I'm gonna tell you, worship is not going and getting all excited. Worship is not learning a bunch of doctrines. Worship is not trying hard and me telling you, instructing you how you should be a better husband or wife or, or child or you shouldn't be lying, you ought not use your tongue this way. Of course not! But that's not the gospel. The gospel is he did all those things that you and I don't do and then he got crucified so that we might have the very light and life of men dwelling in us through union with Christ, by conversion, through the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. I, I, saw, I, I guess I, I, I could say more about that point of that text. But if you'll notice, this man goes through. You'll see this man, he's giving testimony throughout, that, throughout the text. He says, well, uh, who is this that uh, was healed? And he kept saying, I am. I am the man Jesus healed me. And then with the, he's before the Pharisees. And they say, who do you say he is? And he says, well, I, he's a prophet. But he still did not see. Like, you might believe he's a prophet. But then he says, uh, they say, well... <laughs> No sinner, you know, Jesus is a sinner. We don't know where he came from. Uh, Give glory to God, and he says, look, you know, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but I see, I experienced it. And then they say, well, you must be his disciple, but, but we're disciples of Moses, and we know where Moses comes from. We don't know where this man comes from. You know what that blind man says before he sees Jesus? He says, well, this is an amazing thing. God doesn't listen to sinners, and yet this man Calls me, my sight to see, to see, and you're asking me where he comes from. And then, of course, they mocked him, and they, the, all they needed to say was, well, you're a sinner. <laughs> and they cast him out. Well, you see, once he gets cast out, and here's the irony, darkness is casting him out. He, then, and then here comes the light after he's cast out. Who's, they, the light said is, is in darkness, and he reveals himself to the, him, and then he worships. Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, let me, let me tell you something. If you see Jesus Christ, and, and, and you're converted the way Michael Hall has been, and many of you, it's been a slow process. Some of you have come to me five years after you've been a Redeemer and said, man, I thought I was a Christian, but now I see Jesus. And now my life has changed. And it changes their marriage. It changes their life. You know why? Because you see Jesus. You see, if you see Jesus, then I believe you're going to want to behave. Now, you don't always behave. I don't either. And so you need to see more of Jesus. That's what it is, is to worship. Do you worship him? When you wake up in the morning, you say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to screw the day up apart from you. Would you be, would you be my light? I want to bring the life of Jesus to my wife, to my children, to my family, to my friends. I want to love my enemies. I wanna, my enemies, they're my enemies because they don't know Jesus. So it begins with grace. Witness is impossible without seeing Jesus. But the the last thing, and I I have to be have to end on this. Um, The last thing is uh, that uh, the blind witness is impossible. To those who are, who are blind. So Jesus says, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees <clears throat> near him heard these things, and they said, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say you see, and therefore your guilt remains. <clears throat> you see, Jesus is saying, again, the seeing the saying will become blind they'll become more hardened, more blind. The more you move away from Christ, the more blind you will become. The more you won't see. The more you won't be a light. The more maybe you were never a light. Or the light that supposedly was there was snuffed out, but it was not the light of the gospel. That's all he's saying there. He said, well, why does he talk about judgment here? Let me tell you why he talks about judgment. It's because, you see, he said in John 33, he says, I didn't come into the world to condemn people. I did not come in here to condemn you because you're already condemned. I came to save the world. So why is he saying, in light of this, that judgment has come into the world? Here's all he's saying is, here's the judgment, like judgments in the law case. Here's the judgment. Light is here. Now, what are you going to do with it? And the only thing, you've got one of two options this morning, if you're already a Christian, is to bow down again and say, God, thank you for your work. Or to say, you know, I've been confused, but Lord Jesus, maybe I'm a sinner. I've been trying to control my life, control people. I, I'm an angry person. But would you, would you come for me? And I'll tell you, if you'll submit your life to Jesus Christ this morning and say, I, I, you know, I was blind, but now I see, I see who you are, and I want to give my life to you, then I'm going to tell you, you're the ones. Who God has had mercy upon. Oh, oh, my dear brothers and sisters, that your hearts might not harden to this wonderful gospel. Now, conclusion I've been sharing the gospel with a man who's very hardened against the gospel. So he wanted to talk to me from a friend, and and so I went to talk to him. And so he has all these questions. And be honest with you, I've been answering questions for 40 years, so I'm pretty good at answering your questions. If you want to have questions, come talk to me. But after a while, I'm answering questions, and I'm answering questions. And uh, every question I answered, he had asked me another question, like he didn't hear the one I just answered. And I'm like, dude, uh, why am I here? And he said, well, I thought you were here to answer my questions. I said, I'm not here to answer your questions. I'm here to tell you that you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ. And if you've got some questions, then I don't mind answering them as long as you do it in the light of your need of repentance. And, uh, and I said, do you want me to come back and talk to you some more? He said, I do. I said, okay, I'll give you one thing. You go read the first six chapters of John, and we'll get back together. And so we got back together about, about a week ago. I said, you read the first six chapters of John? He said, I did. I said, good for you. Because we got nothing to talk about if we're not going to talk about Jesus. I didn't say that. But I said, I said so what would you think about it? You know, he said, boring I said, Hmm, okay, well, let me ask you this. If you went to a Russian class and you sat in there about five minutes in a Russian class, and I said, you don't know Russian, do you? He said, no. I said, you think you'd be bored? And he started laughing. I started laughing. Yeah, we'd both be bored because we don't know Russian. I said, now let me tell you why you're bored with reading John is you don't know the language of heaven and it only comes through Jesus who's the interpreter. Ask God to allow you here the language of Zion this morning and be saved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. We love your word. We love you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us, that you're the light of the world. God, have mercy upon sinners this morning. May some be converted today by your Holy Spirit, repent of their sin and know the joy of coming to faith in Christ and seeing Jesus and forever be transformed by seeing him not just hearing about him. And we ask it in your name. Amen.